All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you for the privilege of studying your word together, fellowshipping with one another, and enjoying a delicious meal. Use the food to strengthen and nourish our bodies. And I pray that you will instruct us from your precious word. We are enjoying our journey through the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. And so pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts as we get nearer and nearer to the end of this incredible book. So, uh, Father, thank you for all who are here. Bless each one and their families. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, um, I've made a decision this week on what we're going to do next. So when we are finished with Genesis in about seven or eight months, <laughs> now it won't be that long. When we're finished with Genesis, we're going to First Peter. And so uh, we've never done First Peter together, so we'll, we'll do that. First Peter will start at some point soon. All right, we are at verse 5, as you see under the 46th chapter of Together Again, meaning Jacob and his family all together again with Joseph. Uh, God comforts Israel, or Jacob, in the first four verses, so we left off with verse uh, 5 last time. So here is the trip, the journey from Canaan into Egypt on the part of Jacob and his entire family. So I'm going to read verses 5 through 7, and then Dr. Wallace Davis is going to come and read the rest of the chapter and all of the names <laughs> that, that we have there. I know he would if I asked him to, but I won't, I won't ask him to do that. All right, verse 5 of chapter 46. Then Jacob left Beersheba, and Israel's sons, the Jacob's sons, took their father Jacob and their children and their wives in the carts that Pharaoh had sent to transport him. So Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt, taking with them their livestock and the possessions they had acquired in Canaan. Jacob brought with him to Egypt his sons and grandsons and his daughters and granddaughters, all his offspring. So we'll, we'll pause there momentarily. So by faith in God's promise, Jacob moves to Egypt. God has promised that he's going to make a great nation of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God has said, as we looked at last time, he's going to do that now in Egypt. So Jacob has been assured by God, you go into Egypt and I will there multiply you and make you a great nation and you will come out and occupy the land. He didn't tell Jacob when, and we know it's going to be in excess of 400 years, but when they come out of Egypt, there'll be a much bigger family than there is going into Egypt. So God, by faith in God's promise, Jacob moves to Egypt using the carts provided by Pharaoh himself to transport his family and what goods they brought with them, although what had Pharaoh said to them about all their furniture and, and all that stuff, that, you know, don't picture houses like yours, you know that, but they're all their stuff. What, what did Pharaoh say? Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Leave it, leave it. I'll give you all new stuff here in Egypt, and it'll be better than anything you've got back there. So it's astonishing the way God is providing for Jacob, just as he provided for 
Joseph and, and elevated Joseph to uh, the second in position in power in Egypt. So he, here is the reality. Apart from the family tomb, Machpelah, the tomb of Machpelah in Hebron, Hebron, the covenant people, the Hebrew people, the covenant people own nothing in the promised land. And except for a return to bury Jacob 17 years from now, there will be no covenant people there for the next 400 years. But Jacob acts on faith. It's amazing. When did you last read Hebrews 11? The Faith Hall of Fame. Astonishing. Jacob acts on faith. This land will be theirs. In fact, because God spoke it, the land is theirs now. And Jacob believes that with all his heart. And so he is going to Egypt. God has spoken. He's going to be reunited with Joseph. He can hardly wait to see his son that he thought was dead. And so away they go. Now, verses 8 through 25 is a list of the 70 who went down to Egypt. And I'm, I'm not going to read it, not because it's not important, but I'm just not going to read it. And so... But I would encourage you to look at the names there. Um, so I want to invite you to jump to verse 26. And this is interesting. Well, jump to verse 26. All those who went to Egypt with Jacob, those who were his direct descendants, not counting his son's wives, numbered 66 persons. Now, with the two sons in verse 27 who had been born to Joseph in Egypt, the members of Jacob's family which went to Egypt were 70 in all. Now, I want you to do some mental math here for a moment. Sixty-six make the trip. But because verse 12 tells us that Ur and Onan were dead, two of Judah's children were dead, and because Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim were already in Egypt, Joseph and his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, were already there, to get to 70, that leaves you short. You do the math. You, if you take, if you, Aaron or Nine are out of the picture, Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim are already there, that adds up to 69. So how do you get to 70? Because I know some of you are going to go home and you're going to count. <laughs> and next week you're going to say, Pastor, how do you explain the fact that there are only 69? So here's, here's my explanation for that. You got to include Dinah, the daughter of Jacob Dinah. You have to include her in that. It's not named, but you have to include her in that, and that gets you to 70. She made the journey. They don't list her. Women weren't always as honored as they should have been in those days, but Dinah's not listed, but she was there, so that gets you to 70. So if you go back and count, that, that's it. Now, 70, it's not many people. We've got considerably more than that right here in the room. Considerably more. I think we're in excess of a hundred easily. So, um, 70 is not many people. But as we continue through Genesis, and then with your knowledge of what happens in Exodus, just watch God work. Watch God work. The world, think about this, the world will never be the same again. All the way to today, the world will never be the same again because of 
Jacob and his offspring going to Egypt, what happens there, the exodus, they're occupying the promised land, and the rest is history. And I think you would agree with me, the world is not the same because of God's working through his covenant people. So, um, Israel, of course, I don't want to chase a rabbit, but you, you come even to today, and, and what would we say is, is one of the most significant nations on the face of the earth as far as all that's going on in the world today? You gotta have, you say Israel, there's no way you can avoid answering it. They're in the news today. Um, I believe they had their elections yesterday. So my last I heard, the prime minister is going to stay in office. Is that the, anybody got any more updates? Is that it? Okay. He's still prime minister. And um, a lot of folks thought he would lose, but he didn't. So Israel's in the news all the time. The world will never be the same again. God has a plan and a purpose for Israel. All right. Let's go to verse 28 now. And uh, let's see this last part, uh, the reunion. Um, this, this has got to touch your heart if you try to picture, in your, and I always encourage you to do that, picture in your mind, don't just think abstract words, picture flesh and blood, whatever you think it looked like, picture flesh and blood, Jacob reunited with Joseph, the brothers are there, the family's there, this electric moment, 17 years they've been separated. All this time, Jacob has thought Joseph was dead, finds out he's alive, and now he's going to be reunited with him. Now, if you picture that in your mind, it's, it's, a, it's, an, a, it's one of those biblically electric moments. So let's look at verse 28. Now, Jacob sent Judah ahead of him. What did we say about Judah last week? Who has emerged at the head of the class, so to speak, is the leading son, though he's not the firstborn, Judah. Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. When they arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Now, I don't know what a long time is, but I guarantee it's more than a minute. It was a lengthy hugging, kissing, sobbing reunion between Israel and Joseph. Now, in verse 30, Israel said to Joseph, Now I am ready to die, since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. In other words, Jacob saying, That's it. My purpose is done. I've seen my son. I'm ready to go. Now, I don't think Jacob really meant right now, this minute, because he is going to thoroughly enjoy being near his son for 17 more years before he dies. But he does mean my purpose is over. Whatever God wants to do, I'm ready. I've seen my son. I never expected to see him. God, take me if you're ready to take me. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who are living, were living in the land of Canaan have come to me. 
The men are shepherds, they tend livestock, and they have brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. When Pharaoh calls you in and asks, what is your occupation, you should answer. Your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. Now, I want you to picture this. When we say livestock, what do we think of? What were they? What was uh, what was Joseph talking about here? Sheep. Okay. Um, so keep that distinction in mind. Judah was sent ahead by Jacob to Joseph to get directions to Goshen, and when they arrived, Joseph comes. Then Jacob and Joseph embraced and wept, and you can picture that in your mind. It's an amazing moment. Jacob, Israel. Remember when we say Jacob, that's Israel. When we say Israel, that's Jacob. Jacob, Israel says, now I can die. What a moment this must have been. Not much elaboration. You know, there's, we kind of say, tell us more, tell us more. That's all we need to know. And it's there recorded. But you can let your mind think about what it must have been like for father and son to embrace and to see each other again for the first time in 17 years. Goshen is in North Picture Egypt in your mind, northeastern Egypt. Very fertile valley, part of the Nile River system. Far east, northeast part of, of Egypt, away from the large population centers. An excellent place for sheep and for crops. And far from most of the Egyptians who hate shepherds. So, do you see what God's done? I mean, you see how this is orchestrated? Because they're going to multiply greatly while they're there, and they're going to do it far away from most Egyptians. The the big urban centers are far away. The land is fertile, perfect for grazing sheep, perfect for raising crops, fertile land, Absolutely perfect. And Pharaoh, uh, who, who looks to us to be extraordinarily magnanimous, will understand who's the unseen hand moving here. God. And God can work through godless leaders if he chooses to do so. And he's doing that with, with, with Pharaoh. So what a wonderful situation for Jacob and his family. So the result of that is going to be, the next chapter, prosperity. We're going to look at chapter 47, and we're going to see incredible prosperity for Jacob and his family, but also for Pharaoh. So we'll watch this with interest. Prosperity in the middle of famine. How can that be? God is at work. He's used Joseph to orchestrate the development of the empire of Egypt. Pharaoh has complete trust in this Hebrew man. His family comes. They're going to live in a fertile area and they're going to multiply greatly. God is in control. He's working all this. Joseph has a plan, and the plan he has is from God. 
Goshen's a perfect place, far away from the population centers, as close to home in Canaan as you can get while still being in Egypt. It's a good place, a very good place. So we come to chapter 47, verse 1, face to face with Pharaoh. Jacob, Israel, face to face with Pharaoh. Verse 1, Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. He chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? Your servants are shepherds, they replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. They also said to him, We have come to live here for a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you, and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Can you believe Pharaoh is saying that? In the best part of the land. Let them, that, that's, God is moving inside of Pharaoh's heart, even though Pharaoh doesn't acknowledge God. And God has all of this orchestrated, but Pharaoh looks good. I mean, it's a very favorable view for us of Pharaoh, but Pharaoh also has total confidence in whom? Joseph. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know of any among them, now look at this, any among them with special abilities, put them in charge of my own livestock. I mean, these Hebrew boys are going to take over everything. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, that's right, after Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few. We wouldn't look at it that way, would we? My years have been few and difficult. That would be true. And they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my fathers. Haven't attained to their age yet. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramses, as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their children. Face to face with Pharaoh. Joseph goes to Pharaoh. My family's here. And here are five of my brothers. Notice it doesn't tell us which five, does it? Five of my brothers. They, they answer Pharaoh as instructed by Joseph when he asks them what they do. But then they boldly ask for Goshen. Now, that had really already been settled, but they ask anyway, can, can we have Goshen? And uh, Pharaoh is good with that, of course. He's already given permission for that, and he invites for them to help with his own cattle. You know, you got any talented brothers here, Joseph? Jacob, you got any talented boys? I'd, li- I'd like to have them work for me. So Joseph presents Jacob. Jacob blesses Pharaoh. Now, in, um, in Jewish thinking and Middle Eastern thinking, that is extremely significant for Jacob to put his, as an elder, 
to put his blessing upon Pharaoh. And Pharaoh does not take that lightly. Uh, Pharaoh is not standing there smirking at this Hebrew blessing him. It's this is a serious moment, and he takes it seriously and receives it seriously. And Jacob gives it seriously, and everybody there is watching seriously. So Jacob blesses Pharaoh. And I invite you to remember Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Does anybody remember what that verse says? I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Pharaoh is blessing Jacob, Israel, Jacob, Israel, is blessing Pharaoh just according to what Genesis 12, 3 says. Those who bless you, I will bless. And we see that being lived out (coughs) in uh, Genesis chapter 12. And I might add that there are some people who need to pay attention to that today. And just be careful uh, how they treat Israel. Jacob is 130 years old, had a hard life, harder than Abraham and Isaac. If you go back <clears throat> go back and read those three, the lives of those three, Jacob's had a tough time. So Jacob and his family are blessed and they and they bless Pharaoh <clears throat> and they are given everything they need. Everything they need. What an amazing thing. Now, <clears throat> will we <clears throat> boy. Uh, anybody have allergy problems right now? As we live in the allergy capital of the world. (laughs) Uh, Verse 14 of of chapter 47. We're going to look through verse 28. Prosperity for Pharaoh, Egypt, and Israel. Now, we're in the middle of famine. So how in the world is prosperity going to come? Just watch. Joseph has a plan. Now, as people who live in a republic, we look at this and we may be a little discomforted or horrified at at the centralization of power that we see coming in these verses because everything's going to end up in whose lap? Pharaoh's lap. So we may look at it and say, oh my, oh my, because we wouldn't want that to happen here. But God has a plan and a purpose that's far bigger than anything we can imagine. So let's watch how it happens. Verse 14. Joseph, uh, well, let me go back and read verse 13. There was no food, however, in the whole region because the famine was severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. But remember what had happened in the last several years. For, for seven years, Joseph said, store up grain, store up your food, so when the famine comes, you'll have plenty. Well, that's what's happened. So verse 14, Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for the grain they were buying, and he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. So the, the Egyptians are not just being given the food, they're buying the food. Other countries are buying the food. And so all all of that money is brought into Pharaoh's palace. And when the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, Give us food, why should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. Now we have a dilemma. So Joseph says, Then bring your livestock. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep and goats, their cattle and donkeys. 
And he brought them through that year, and he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. So now who's got all the, who's got all the cattle? Pharaoh. Verse 18, when that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there's nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes, we and our land as well? Buy us and our land in exchange for food, and we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed so that we may live and not die and that the land may not become desolate. You see what's happening? Now, we may in our hearts think, oh, I'm going to lead a revolution before I go in bondage to Pharaoh. That probably, you know, America, that's probably what would happen. It would be a revolution. But the people are absolutely helpless. They're hungry. They have nothing. They have no weapons with which to stand against the the might of Pharaoh. So what are they going to do? And from their perspective, there's only one thing to do, and that is it's better better to sell ourselves than to starve to death. So Pharaoh, Joseph, on behalf of Pharaoh, please feed us, and we and our land belong to you. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. You get that? All the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. However, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received a regular allotment from Pharaoh and had food enough from the allotment Pharaoh gave them. That is why they did not sell their land. Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is seed for you so you can plant the ground. But when the crop comes in, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh. The other four-fifths you may keep as seed for the fields and as food for yourselves and your households and your children. Now what what has Joseph done there? Tithing, yes. They're tithing to Pharaoh over and above. But he's also saying to them, don't eat it all. You've got to have some set aside for the next, the next crop. So he's actually instructing and guiding the people as well as taking in more and more for Pharaoh. You have saved our lives, they said. May we find favor in the eyes of our Lord. We will be, and and they're not talking about Lord God, they're talking about Joseph. May we find favor in the eyes of our Lord. We will be in bondage to Pharaoh. So Joseph established it as law concerning land in Egypt, still in force today as of the writing of this text, that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. It was only the land of the priests that did not become Pharaoh's. Now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen, They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. And Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. And we'll stop there for a moment. In these verses, Pharaoh gets all the money and livestock. He gets all the land except what belonged to the priests. 
and he gets all the people. All belongs to him. Egypt was already the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at that time. And the leader of that nation has now consolidated everything under his leadership and authority. And he is now without question the single wealthiest and most powerful man on the face of the earth. And I'm sure he really thinks he's something. What he doesn't know is he's not in control. He's not in control. God's in control. And God is using Jacob to orchestrate all of this for his purpose and his glory that we see unfold in the remaining chapters of Genesis and then as we go to Exodus. Now, we're not going to Exodus because we've already done Exodus back some years ago. But you remember what happens with Exodus, the children leaving and going to the land of Canaan, taking possession of the promised land. So right now, things could not be better for Pharaoh. No wonder he loved Joseph. I mean, he's rewarded this Hebrew young man because of the revelation of the dreams that Joseph shared with him. And Joseph has served Pharaoh well. But Joseph is really not serving Pharaoh. He is really serving God. And Joseph never forgot that. Now, the people faced with starvation... Because of what Joseph did, Egypt survives and prospers. Israel prospers. Up there in Goshen, they never, they never wanted to claim that land for theirs anyway. We're just here for a while. We're just kind of tenants renting. We're going to go back to Canaan at some point. But right now, we've got this lush land. We don't have to live too close to the Egyptians. And we're prospering. Our sheep are multiplying. We're going to have all the food we need. And we're quiet and peaceful. Nobody's bothering us. And so we're just going to have babies and enjoy ourselves as long as we have to be here. Or so they hoped. There's tranquility at the moment for Israel. Jacob prospers. And he's going to have 17 years with Joseph. How many years were they apart? How many years were they together before Jacob died? 17. Isn't that interesting? So um, Joseph remained in, in the capital near Pharaoh, but you know there were a lot of journeys to Goshen. A lot of, uh, I'm not trying to be flippant, but, but a lot of weekend barbecues, a lot of trips to visit family reunited, getting to know, I want Jacob to know my children, Joseph would have thought. And and so there must have been some precious times during those 17 years. So we come toward the end of the chapter now, and, and Jacob is going to say to Joseph, I want you to take me when I die back to Canaan. And he says it twice. Let's see. Um, where did we leave off? Verse 28. <clears throat> yeah. So verse 30. Israel said to... Um, I lost my place. Yeah, 29. Verse 29. There we go. Thank you. When the time drew near for Israel to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes... Put your hand under my thigh and promise, which is a 
Hebrew way of swearing. Put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. But when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried, back in Hebron in the cave of Machpelah. I will do as you say, he said, Joseph replied. Once wasn't enough. Verse 31, Jacob says it again. Swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. So Jacob really wanted to be buried in Canaan, and two times he made Joseph promise, you will, when I die, you will take my body back to Canaan and bury me there with with my parents. Um, the land is Pharaoh's to give, and due to the shrewdness of Joseph and the leadership of God, Israel is blessed, and so we see Jacob's desire to go back and be buried. Take me home. And in doing this, what Jacob is doing, he is giving a declaration of his faith in God to keep his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why would Jacob want to go back and be buried in Canaan when all of his family is in Egypt? Because he believes with all of his heart God's going to keep the promise and one day we will have all of that land. It will be ours. So this is a, don't see this as just, please take my bones home when I die. It is a declaration of his faith in God. God will keep his promise to me and to Israel. Good night. Somebody needs to jump up and down. I didn't know it was so late. Now let, let me let me finish. It, it is God's plan and desire to bless. Let me just give you three verses if you want to write them down. G- Genesis fifty twenty. We've already read this several times, and we'll read it again. You intended to harm me, Joseph said to his brothers, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Romans eight twenty eight. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It is God's desire and plan to bless his people. That's his desire. So we conclude the chapter with Joseph promising to take Jacob back to Canaan. Now, Jacob's not dead yet, but he will die in the next chapter, in in chapter 48. But there's still... Very interesting things to happen because next week we'll start with chapter 48. Remember, Joseph has two boys named Ephraim and Manasseh. Joseph, Jacob is on his deathbed. Joseph takes those two boys in to Jacob. And what happens next is amazing. That's where we'll pick up next time with chapter 48. And then 49 and then 50 and we're done. But not all next week, okay? Yeah, all right. Father, thank you for... Your precious word, thank you for being with us today as we studied, and I pray now that you will bless us as we go to our responsibilities of the day. I pray that our lives will be a reflection of the Christ who lives in us. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next time.